Have you ever felt a nudge to do something that felt ridiculous or even downright embarrassing? Well, that's what happened to my guest today when she found herself writing handwritten letters to a friend she hadn't spoken to in over 30 years. She found this friend on Facebook. And then she wrote to her and found out that her friend's son had cancer. So she wrote her again. Well, what came from the letters was a deep friendship. I'm talking about my guest, Amy Daughters, and she's going to talk about her whole experience in her book, Dear Dana, The Time I Went Crazy and Wrote All 580 of My Facebook Friends a Handwritten Letter. It details her experience of writing letters to one friend that eventually prompted her to write all of the rest. This is a really fun podcast. Well, I'm really excited about my podcast today. I have a terrific guest, Amy Daughters, and she has written a book, Dear Dana, that time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of my Facebook friends a written letter. Did you really do that? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. It's an incredible story. That was non-intentional completely. Isn't it wonderful? So if if you could start us from the beginning and let us know, I know a little of the backstory about how you ended up writing all of these letters and where it started. Yes, I'd be happy to. You know, I'm like like everyone else, I'm on Facebook, on social media, and uh, I have a friend that I met 30 years ago, 35 years ago. I was a camp counselor at a camp in, in Texas. We spent probably six weeks together. Her name was Dana. We both have huge personalities. I remember her from them, but then like a lot of people in the 80s, it was 1986, we, we separated, went on with our lives, and we spent the next 30 years doing life completely separately. I had no idea what Dana was doing. She had no idea what I was doing. Then, you know, 2013 rolls around. I get on Facebook. I was like, oh, I wonder what ever happened to my friend Dana. I look her up, and there she is. She's living in Lafayette, Louisiana. She's got five kids. And I immediately found out um, that her youngest son, she had four daughters and a youngest son, Parker, had cancer. Mm -hmm. And he was, uh, you know, a teenage boy battling cancer at St. Jude in Memphis. She asked for people to pray. I'm a person who likes praying. So I began silently in background of the Internet praying for Dana and her son. Um, I kind of follow along with the story after that. He went into remission. And then about a year later, he relapsed and she posted and said she was, you know, they were going back to St. Jude. And uh, as a fellow mom, as a fellow person, you know, I was like, oh, so I started praying again, thinking, you know, not even thinking, what can I do? Just praying again. And all of a sudden it struck me like a bolt of lightning. It was like, you know what? And I'm a writer. I was like, I'll start writing them letters. Mm -hmm. And so I figured out they were at the Ronald McDonald house in Memphis. And I began to write Dana and Parker letters. And I was literally a person coming out of nowhere. Not emails, right? What were you writing her? It was handwritten cards. And I, and I did that non-intentionally because I had no other way to contact her. Mm-hmm. And I felt silly sending her a message on Facebook and saying, uh, you, know, what's your, you know, what's your email address? I just, that was the inspiration. I'll just send her a card a week. So I did that handwritten card. At first, I just said, I'm praying for you and Parker. You know, I'm thinking of you, telling a little bit about myself. And that, you know, there was probably a month and a half of me writing Dana and Parker, and the and the timing was amazing. 
not amazing, but the timing was divine because about six weeks into writing the two of them, Parker passed away at age 15. And it was devastating. You know, again, I didn't even know Dana, but as a fellow mom, as a fellow yeah. human being, I was completely devastated. I prayed again. I was like, okay, this is the plan of, you know, praying for them and sending these letters till he went back home is not going to work out. So I prayed and thought about it again. It was just a clear message. You know, you're going to keep praying and you're going to keep sending letters. So again, I had no idea how to contact this person. She was going back home to Louisiana, somewhere okay. in South Louisiana. So I didn't know where to send the letters, but I felt compelled to do so, even though I knew that I didn't know where I was kind of behaving, not irrationally, but it was a little over the top. And so <laughs> I went and looked up her husband, who, who I also knew from camp, and I found out where he worked, and I began writing Dana at his work address. Mm -hmm. And so handwritten letters, that went on for about uh, three months, and then she Facebook messaged me with her home, book, with her home address. My friends laugh at that because they call that the cease and desist message when she was like, here's my home address. Then I continued to write her. Did she write you back or acknowledge your letters? Well, she, the first acknowledgement was that Facebook message. And honestly, and this is in the book, I started to feel like, uh, why am I doing this? Should I keep doing it? You know, I kept praying. I kept writing the letters. And then about five months in, and it was magical. It happened on my birthday. I lived in Ohio at the time. So I went out to the mailbox. I think it was like my 48th birthday, which nothing happens on your 48th birthday. <laughs> Pull out the mailbox, and here's a handwritten letter from Dana in Louisiana. And I um, it just, you know, I say it was one of the great moments of my life because it was, it was shocking. Mm -hmm. She wrote me back. So I go inside and it's this five page handwritten letter, you know, kind of updating me. And immediately she began to share. I think I was kind of her safe place because I was completely removed from her situation. She didn't know who I was. And she shared, you know, that began this relationship. We spent two years exclusively communicating in the mail. We did not exchange cell phone numbers. We did not exchange you know, email addresses. We just went back and forth in the mail. And it was, you know, it was magical. It was profound. It was, there was this freedom connected, you know, between the two of us where you drop something in a mailbox mm -hmm. and I have no idea when she's reading it. And I also didn't feel like I had to respond to everything she said. And a lot of it was about grief. So that's good. Cause I didn't, you know, I'm not, I wasn't in a position to, like anyone as you can't address that kind of grief there's not there's not a whole lot you can say so i would just tell her over and over again that i was praying for her, and then i started to feel, fill her in on all the details of my life and then she would share with me and there was this freedom and this trust that was completely unwarranted between the two of us and it just kind of blew up my life and I, and i began to realize how real god is and i began to realize how prayer works and there were so many things that I thought I knew in my life that were you know just completely blown up by this pen pal relationship and I, I had this moment about six months into the pen pal relationship where I was like you know wow if God can do this with this random girl in Louisiana who I'm not even sure where she lives and I'm not even really sure what we did in 1986 but now she's an essential outlet for me I, you know what happens if I write all these Facebook people? Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's what I'll do. And so I put everyone's name in a box and I was like, they're all getting a letter. And it absolutely transformed my life. Wow. That's remarkable. So you never spoke with Dana on the phone and you never Zoomed with right. her. You never Zoomed with her. For the first two years, yes. That's yeah. Correct. So how different it's you can't say but how different do you think your relationship would have been if you just emailed each other do you think that this sort of revelation 
that you experienced would have happened? Or do you think there was something about the finding her and the writing the letter and seeing her handwriting? Do you think that made a big difference than if you just emailed her or texted her? I think it absolutely did. And again, it was not intentional. I didn't intend to have this relationship with Dana, but I don't think she would have shared as much. And I don't think I would have shared as much because when you, when you write a letter and you don't know, and I experienced this over and over again with the Facebook letters as well, you don't know when someone else is reading it. Mm-hmm. it there's something so intimate about that. Like you said, their handwriting and then yeah. that, you know, we can call it the lost art because it is a lost art. But if I mail you a letter, then you're holding something that I held in my hands, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'm holding something you held in your hands, which is especially poignant in a relationship where you have lost contact with a person, you know, a relationship from 30 years ago. So I don't think we would have developed this trust and this, uh, you know, the timing of the way the rhythm of the relationship was so different than a modern day social media relationship. Then, no, I do not think it would have had that profound impact on both of us that it had in the mail. I agree. And the reason I asked you that is because I think there's something that comes across that's almost intangible. When you hand write a letter, there's it's there's so much more than, um, and that's why I love that you come on and say, you know, how important it is for us to teach our kids a handwritten letter. So you came to this point, your life exploded you decided to write 580 letters to your Facebook friends. How did that go? Well, I mean, it was everything from awkward to hilarious to, you know, so many assumptions got blown away because when we're on social media, you know, we, you look at people and I didn't even realize to what point I did this. You assume you look at these things in your newsfeed and you assume, Oh, that's my friend from high school. Oh, she's got the perfect life. Oh, he's this, she's that. And then when you reach out to somebody, because the first exercise is you have to decide what you're going to say to these people. So exercise number one is go on their profile and figure out who they actually are. And so many times I was like, oh my God, I didn't go to high school with you. We were at a wedding and we met in a bathroom or, you know, or you live down the street from me. But then then you found out what they were doing now. And you're like, oh my gosh, these people are amazing. I'm Mm -hmm. connected to all these amazing people. So that was step one. And step two, so what are you going to say after that's cool. You went to Princeton or you're a missionary or you adopted two kids or, you know, whatever their story was. And you acknowledge that. But then you're like, the next thing I, I naturally came to, and I think everyone, that's what's so relatable about this story is I think the same steps would apply to a lot of people, no matter who was writing the letters. But then it was, then it was like, you know what, let's say you and I were friends in high school. You know, remember that time you helped me through that time with my mom? Or do you remember that time you were there for me in college? Or do you remember? Then you start thanking people. And then your grateful meter just explodes. You're like, wait a second, wait a second. All these people were in my life at the right time. It doesn't really matter where our relationship is now. But all these people were magically in my life at the right time. And there's so much hope in that. Uh, you know, the hope for your future and your you. Over and over, you know, we pray for our children. Over and over again, I thought, my God is right now doing these things in my children's life that that He did in mine. And there's so much hope in that. And then expressing those things to people, you know, I think the assumption is, if I tell you something nice about you that you did for me, that you're the person who's going to benefit the most. But really, the person who said it is the person who benefits the most, because then you're just like, there's so much love and joy you know, omitted from this whole thing. And again, I never intended to do any of this, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect any of the outcomes that I received, but, but what a, I mean, really a blessing. It's an overused word, but what a blessing it was to me and my family. It's such a God thing. 
It's like a kiss on its cheek from God. I say, you know, it's like, gee whiz, you realize that he's doing all this stuff all along and you had no idea. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, I get it. Did anybody respond to you in a negative way or were they all positive? Most everything was completely positive. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, you know, there's the people that, you know, the other part of this that was interesting is that when you send someone a letter, you're giving them your return address. You know, mm -hmm. so there's, it's a trust thing. So there was a couple times that I was, I had concern with, I mean, I'm just being honest. I had concern with sharing, you know, my, the details of my sweet children and my husband, sure. you know, and so that's one element. I don't think I really had the inherently negative responses. I think there were more surprising responses, like a girl I went to camp with who I was intimidated by, who I loved, but who seemed like she had it all together and she was beautiful and perfect. And she wrote me back and told me that she thought I never liked her. But I, that was just the intent. That was me being right. intimidated by her. And that, to me, that was life changing yeah. because it was about perceptions that and that wasn't a negative. And I told her I was so glad she told me that because that was one of the, you know, a huge takeaway for the book, you know, from the process for me was was finding out that as much as I was assuming stuff about people, people were assuming, you know, stuff about me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, particularly because you were children when you knew them. And I think as kids, we really have a distorted perception of one another. You know, you were intimidated by her and she thought that you didn't like her. And that would probably be very different maybe if you'd met it as adults, but because you were kids. So I assume that all this time you have your relationship with Dana going on. Did you continue to be in contact with Dana while you're writing all these other people? Right. And and that's what the book tells those two narratives. But the whole time I'm writing, you know, for, for about 80% of the letters, I had still not, if, of writing those 580 letters, maybe 75%, I was, I had still not had any physical or, you know, voice connection with Dana. We continued to pen pal. Mm -hmm. And so about a hundred letters in, because I'm convinced that, you know, God connected me with Dana and Parker. That, and I really, the way I see it, and this is just my take on it. I'm in my humble opinion, you know, I'm not a theologian or a, I'm just a regular person, you know, trying to stay married, but <laughs> that you know, yeah. God put, God put these people in my heart and woke me up like out of my sleep at the perfect time for me. Yes. For them probably. And for me. And I went on this, you know, and I, the commitment to pay for them, the, the commitment to write the letters that was all from God. You know, and so so I wouldn't have written one of these Facebook letters without Dana and Parker, you know, and it, it turns out not surprisingly, Parker loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, Parker was, a, you know, was this kid who was just on fire. And I think there's no mistake. I think, Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus and Parker have an ongoing relationship. And Dana and I discussed that. So for about 75 percent of the letters, the Facebook letters, Dana and I were still communicating through the mail. And I actually told her after a hundred letters, I was like, we're doing this project together. You just don't know about it. And she never had any, you know, <laughs> chance to sign on to my project. You know, she signed it. on to yeah. a lot of my project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I told her this is our project. I'm doing this project because of us. And so about eight months into that, I met Dana in person for the first time. She invited me and my family to go to Memphis for the St. Jude Marathon. Mm -hmm. And we reunited, talked on the phone for the first time that day, the first day we met. And it turns out that God, 
was looking out for me absolutely because now she's my best friend and uh, we have this profound relationships. So our families, our husbands, we're all close. We talk on the phone almost every day. She's texting me three times since I've been on this podcast. Mm. So um, it's, you know, and as much as you can look at this and say, oh, Amy, you're a great friend, you know, my family got just completely surrounded by love and I get to be friends with this incredible, wise, you know, regular, flawed, wonderful person. Mm-hmm. So. Isn't it amazing how much good and love there is out there that we never tap into? And I think our world is so negative and so divided. I mean, I can't even watch the news anymore because all they do is say one channel says horrible things about the other and vice versa. And I said, you know what? There's so much goodness and we don't see that. And this is a story of sort of tapping into the goodness that God gives us through the people. Right. So what did you learn about yourself and what did you learn about other people through this whole process? Well, you know, that's a great question. That's a great observation you made because I think one of my biggest takeaways, because, you know, I wrote a lot of these letters during the 2016 election campaign and that's when things really got divided. And I think Mm -hmm. that was very intentional as well because I wrote so many people who don't, necessarily believe the same things that I do politically, maybe specifically religiously, or, you know, maybe even spiritually, you know, with, with so many living different lifestyles in, in, in different places. But what I found out over and over again, and this is my favorite part of the story, is that if, if you reach out to someone with nothing but goodwill on the line, especially with something as intentional as a handwritten letter, because it really blew people away, and I, I didn't expect that either. And then they reply in kind, and all of a sudden, all that stuff still matters. What we believe absolutely matters, you know, and what we stand for absolutely matters. But it shouldn't separate one person from loving or being able to learn from another person. But all those differences just started to, to dissipate to, to the because this connection is so much more important than the differences. And mm-hmm. over and over again, I experienced this hope. And I think that's that's what compelled me because I didn't do this intending to write a book. Mm-hmm. You know, I've struggled with sharing Dana's story with the world. I, I But I got to the point with this story that I realized there was so much hope in it, in these personal connections that we all have, that we can tap into, like you said, in your wise words, that you know, it has to be shared because it is out there in our connections, that hope we need as human beings. Yeah. And we never hear about it and we never see it and we forget it's there. And that's why I think your message is so important because it sort of drills down into the hearts of people. And what we see is their beliefs and their actions and behaviors and talk about this and talk about that, but it doesn't matter. What we were created for was that simple, pure, beautiful relationship with another human being. And I think the only way we can really have that, like you said, is to get push all of the other nonsense aside. Because really, who cares what your friend thinks about who should be president? You know, and, and really, right. can we not love people who have a very different faith or no faith? Yes, but we've gotten so far from being able to have that pure communication with somebody, but you tapped into that and that's that's so beautiful. I need to take a quick break now and I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Amy and have been inspired to reach out to someone in a new way.
Well, today I'm talking to Amy Daughters about how and why she wrote to 580 Facebook friends. Can you imagine? We're also talking about her new book that details this experience called Dear Dana. Let's get back to my interview with Amy as she shares the impact her letters had on friends and the lessons she learned about herself, life, people, and friendships. Did you have anybody write you back and said, I've looked at you on Facebook and I don't like your this or this or this, so I'm not going to respond to you at all? Or were people pretty positive about just the simplicity of you reaching out? No, I think people were positive. And I think part of the reason I haven't posted, I don't post like before this whole thing. I don't, I'm not, I mean, I have politics just like everybody else does. I believe certain things in all realms of my life, but I have by and large, never posted about that. Not because I'm just because that's not who I am. Like I'm the person who pastes my head on other people's bodies and act like I'm a ribbon dancer. That's more my (laughs) online vibe. Will you you be my friend? I mean, you sound hysterical. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's so fun. I will absolutely be your friend, but I, I, uh, but so I think that kind of worked to my advantage. I think, and, and maybe that maybe God said that all up. That's my, you know, was intentional and not in, but, but, but having that already built in for me that I didn't have, like I hadn't had that division. I did. I thought that way about my faith through part of the journey, but I, I, and, and in writing the book, you know, I was, I really wanted to be intentional about, because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I love Jesus. My relationship through all of this with Dana has, has made my relationship with prayer and God even stronger. But I, to your point, I reached out to so many people who don't, maybe who don't believe anything that I wanted them to be included in the book. And then I was worried about leaving out all the Christian people, but I figured God could take care of all that (laughs) himself, you know? Right. And, And he also, this was all designed by him. So in my, younger son kept telling me, you keep saying you trust God, but then you're freaking out. And I'm like, you're right. That's absolutely right. I am freaking out and I should trust God. But, but I, but I, I think that, no, I really didn't get any of that from anyone. I, you know, I was questioned. And one of my favorite questions was people wanted me to verify my identity before they gave, before I gave them they gave me their address if I had to ask for it, you know, and hmm. verify how I met them and knew them. Cause we're all we- leery, just like, you know, you and I would be receiving a message from somebody asking yeah. for our physical address. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 We're all pretty private. So how many letters have you written to date and what are your intentions for the future? What are you taking forward with all of this? Well, I've written, I'm still, Dana and I still write each other, mm-hmm. even though we talk so much. I, I pretty, I pretty regularly write her about once a week. She writes me about twice a month and that's kind of turned into dear diary for me because I, the other thing about writing a letter regularly to someone is that you're looking at your life from the outside in and it tends to put things in order. And the other thing about my letters to Dana is there's always a component at the end. I talk about what I'm praying about and that has been super powerful for me because it puts my, my prayer world in order as well. And it's Mm -hmm. almost, you know, just like commending all that to God. So that, I still write her. So I wrote the 580 letters and then about 75 of the people responded to me in some way. So I I wrote most of those people back who wrote me. I had a little bit of guilt about that because I kind of lost control of my own project because it was hard to respond to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I think my, my goal moving forward is to stay in contact with people in an intentional way. You know, and the other thing I learned was, and this sounds very obvious, but you can't be friends with 580 people. I had a lot of people tell me very personal and private things that I could address in one 
response, but I could not be there as a day-to-day -day friend. And so what I learned is that my job and all of our jobs, if we all do this together, then we can take care of everybody, is I need to be intentional with the people who in my close circle, like maybe mm -hmm. I can have 10 friends and you can have 12, whatever our number is. It's like the sleep number bed. You know, we need to do, take care of whoever we can take care of. And so I've tried to be real intentional with the people in, in my circle. And mm -hmm. I've also, you know, it just changed my perspective. I, I thought I would get off Facebook after all this, but now I, not, I can't because I, especially those 580 people, I'm connected to them in a meaningful yeah. way. So I try to reach out to people and respond to people, you know, differently on social media as well. But it's hard because we all have the same challenge where that's concerned. You know, I love the perspective because I'll be honest. I mean, I have a professional Facebook page, but I have other people in there doing things. But I got off of my personal one because even at my age and having grown kids and everything, I still would go on Facebook page and I feel bad about myself. Like, look at her. Her husband took her to Italy or right. look at her, you know, her kids right. are this. And I thought isn't that ridiculous? But I thought, you know, so there, there was sort of this negativity around Facebook for me. So I just sort of pulled out, God help these poor little kids that are on Instagram all the time, because if that sort of rattled me and I have a pretty good sense of who I am, what it must do to right. them. And yet you use Facebook and kind of turned it on its ear and used it more for good than for bad. Because I'll bet you through these letters, you saw a very different part of the person than if you just looked at their Facebook page. Right, right. Especially those people who responded in any way. I mean, you, it just, it was like taking this, you know, this virtual relationship and, and making it flesh and bone. You know, it was like, oh, there's a real person behind each of those profiles. And that sounds almost ridiculous because it's so obvious, but there's a real person behind each of these yeah. and, and find that out over and over again. I think it had a profound effect on me. And I think the letters had a profound effect on people, not because I'm such a great writer of letters, but because we're very rarely treated like individuals in this world. And, you know, one of my favorite takeaways, I, I, you know, my son, my older son was probably 17 and 18 when I wrote the letters. So I wrote his friends, you know, that I was friends with on Facebook. And they that was the first letter they'd ever received in their life. And I still have two kids, I like college football, who like college football, who still like send me something in the mail once every once in a while from the student ministry group. And I just think it's just, they, it meant so much to them, you know, mm -hmm. but over and over again, people were just blown away by it because it was so personal. And again, that was not intentional on my part. I was mm -hmm. just on a mission. So, but joy and hope is contagious. And I think that's what you ooze, you know, is, is um, I wish people could see you. Because you're, you're very fun. And, but this idea that, you know, you can do something so simple, but you know, how you make people feel is so profound because you're absolutely right. I would ask people, you know, when is the last time you had a handwritten note. Now my parents died, uh, my dad parents died about 11 years ago and I kept all of my parents' letters. And when I look at the outside of an envelope and I see my dad's handwriting, I just bawl because it was my dad's handwriting. And all that's on the outside is my name and address. But there's something that's right. so intimate and personal about thinking about that person sitting down and taking a pen and thinking about you and, you know, and what am I going to say to her that just feels so 
good. And and no, even Christmas cards. Um, I'm terrible at sending Christmas cards. I'm just really bad at it. But anyway, you can even get Christmas cards. I don't mean to be offensive or anything, but you can even get Christmas cards that are sort of run through a computer and they're not really signed. Right, and nobody right. writes your name on them. It's like, right. well, why did you send me a Christmas card? Because clearly you're not thinking about me. Now that sounds so right. obnoxious, but that's kind of where we've come. We're just not that personal anymore. And it's, it's like, we just don't want to take the time to think about a person. I loved just to back up that your relationship with Dana began with you praying for her. You read something about her, that her son was ill and you started praying for her. And I wonder what impact that had on her. Does she have a belief? Yes, and she, yes, she does have a faith and she, you know, because she requested those prayers, which is how I got started in the process of praying for her and her family. Yeah, I think that the prayers, it's interesting because I think at the, at the beginning of, of my, you know, reconnection with Dana, I was praying for Parker to be healed. You know, here's this 14 year old kid fighting for his life who loves Jesus, you know, and this is hard because as, as Dana's friend and pen pal, you know, Dana's worst day meant that those prayers weren't answered. So a part of our relationship over time has been, I realized that one of my, you know, roles can be that I can pray for all the prayers that Dana can't lift up herself as she, you know, as she begins to pray again and begins to trust God again, because, mm -hmm. you know, she is a believer, but it was, that is so fractured. And that's something I've learned a lot about now. Her four girls are all, all, but one of them is our young mothers. And, you know, it's turned into this, you know, I pray for them. And then when they have something that needs to be prayed about, someone sends me a text. Cause I still, I'm the person that comes in. That's all intentional by God. I, you know, that God could have picked somebody much more appropriate than me, you know, cause I'm, you know, but it, but it absolutely, it absolutely, fits together, you know, and that's, so I think, you know, as Dana continues in her journey with God, where her prayer life comes back to where it was before Parker, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't, I can't answer any of those questions. I can be on hand until then to lift up her prayers and to pray for her children and till God, you know, and her get back to where God wants her and, and God to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm not how, sure if that answered your question. Absolutely. But. I mean, how beautiful, because that's what a real friend does and a real prayer partner does. When you can't pray, they pray for you. And I know after my parents died, I just looked at God and said, look, we're not on speaking terms for a while. It's just not going to happen right, because right. I am so ripping mad right. here. And yet you have friends right. that sort of gently pray for you and, and you sort of find your way back. I'm curious too, and I know I'm going backwards, but you said that when this all started, you were woken, you were woken up in the night by God. Yeah, it was, well, I that's just an analogy. Cause I feel like I was grabbed so hard that I, you know, that there was no, you know, we all go through life going, you know, what are we doing? What are we supposed to do? This was one of those moments in my life, even though I doubted a lot, like we all do, because like I said, I'm just a regular person, but I was grabbed so hard that I could not stop myself from writing the letters, from praying for, for like going nuts and writing all the letters. I just was so, and I think that was just God just yanked me out of my, and I continued on my regular life, but it was just so 
it was just such a strong grip. Like, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And even if I would have wanted to stop, I don't think I could have stopped. And, and that's why you look back and people ask me all the time, you really wrote 600 letters. Yes. I have a huge callus on my hand. I wrote 600 letters, but that was otherworldly. That, that was next level. And that was not Amy daughter's wife and mother of two. That was Amy daughter's like, God on fire and Amy daughter's like holding on for dear life behind the bobsled. Yeah, that's the luge because I would look really bad in those luge outfits. I I always think about it. You're sitting on top of a wave and and the river gets faster and faster and you're just going higher and higher, just trying to float on the top. Yeah, it's absolutely. But 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 I wanted you to say that because I think that a lot of times people believe God doesn't do stuff like that anymore. Now, God probably didn't scream from heaven, Amy, this is what I want you to do. It's just an overwhelming no. sense of I ha- urgency. I have to do this. And then, you know, it's really from God and it, it is supernatural. It's supernatural. And because right. um, clearly you hadn't asked for this, right? No, I mean, I, I prayed like, every, you know, and I did pray. I've always been a prayer person. I've always felt a strong connection to prayer. But this was totally different. And people say a lot of times, well, you listen to God and and you did what God told you. And, and maybe that's true. But this is mostly this is mostly God. And one of my favorite lines in the book, I talk about how, you know, it's not like I was in a field in this beautiful dress waving in through the wheat going, God, what do I do? You know, like twirling, like makes me think of Little House on the Prairie. It was more like I was had yoga pants on and I was eating ramen and God was like, hey, here's what we're going to do, you know, and then it was yeah. so it was so over the top that I couldn't really, I don't think I ever had a choice. And so I think that the, you know, the focus got to be on the story, not on the individual. I don't say that out of humility. I say that out of the, just that's, that's the fact. That was reality. I mean, you know, that was reality. That's reality. That's not me being humble. That's, that's just the way it happened. And and telling the story in any other frame would be uh, not telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could sit here and talk to you for a whole nother hour, but that wouldn't be fair to our listeners because they need to read your book, which is delightful. And you are delightful. Dear Dana, that time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of my Facebook friends a handwritten letter. And what I would want parents to take away from this is that we need to teach our kids to get back to the simplicity of writing a handwritten letter because it isn't email, it isn't a text, it's personal. It's just the exact opposite of what kids do on social media. They're so removed and so distant from their friends. But but when you'd have a handwritten letter, there's, like I said, there's something intimate about you case in point, look at your relationship with Dana. So I'm so grateful that you wrote the book, Amy, and I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast because this has just been so fun. I'm inspired. I'm going to go start writing handwritten letters to my friends. I don't have any friends on Facebook, but I have, I have other friends I can write to. It's just so humbling. And like I said, I've I'm a, I'm a fan and a follower and, and to be able to tell my story here in this forum, I really, really appreciate it. And I'm humbled by your words and what an absolute delight to talk to you. So thank you for having me on. Oh, it's been my blessing. Thank you, Amy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you tuning in. And as I said to Amy, There's so much negativity streaming at us and our kids 
every day. We need to be reminded that there's a tremendous amount of love out there and most of it comes through people. So be reminded of this. We all need encouragement and to focus on what is good and right in our lives. And I hope that my conversation with Amy brought some of that to you. Now let's review my points to ponder. One, pick up a pen. When we communicate via text or email, we shoot remarks off with very little thought. We can say things impulsively and often say things that are hurtful. But when we write with a pen and paper, we take a longer time to say something. Writing with a pen forces us to think through what we want to say and how we want to say it. This extra time always makes our communication more positive and it strengthens our relationships. Two, handwriting speaks to us. Think of a handwritten letter that you received from a loved one. Before you opened the letter, you knew exactly who wrote it. Their handwriting identifies them and communicates something to you even before you read the letter. Because it took them time to write, you realize that while they were doing it, they were thinking of you. Also, everyone's handwriting is unique. No one else shares it. And therefore, it represents part of our identity. Three, our handwriting leaves memories for loved ones. I have letters from my mom and dad, and they both died about a decade ago, and I have them stored in a treasure chest. When I open the chest and see their letters, I always cry. My father's handwriting gives me a feeling of being so special. And when I see my mother's handwriting, I see her face. I would never throw their letters away because they represent them, and their handwriting communicates love to me. If they had texted me or emailed me, rather than taking time to write those letters over the years, their words would have been long erased and they would have been very impersonal. I want to give a very special thank you to my guest today, Amy Daughters. She was so much fun to talk to. You can learn more about Amy by visiting her website, amydaughters.com. Be sure to check out her new book, Dear Dana, The Time I Went Crazy and wrote all 580 of my Facebook friends a handwritten letter. Friends, if you need help or encouragement or answers to any questions about your kids or your relationship with them, go to my website, meekerparenting.com. I have courses and tips and blogs and more to help you. And if you know a dad who needs encouragement, while you're there, check out my brand new Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters Masterclass. And always remember, great kids are raised, not born. <laughs>